So let's see. Make Chabad over here for the fifteenth day of Sivan. Let's see, that was in the year Tafresh Pezayin. I know the year. It's nineteen twenty-seven. What I don't know is the uh, what? It was June fifth. Thirteen. Okay. Uh, Ju- uh, what? What's the year? It's nineteen twenty-seven. 1927. It was a Tuesday. I know. Um, it was actually, that was actually Wednesday. That was actually Wednesday because it was after midnight already. So this was... Uh, 6.87. Tafresh Pezayin. Okay. So the day can change. Okay, so... Right. So it was June the 15th, came out the same. June the 15th, oh wow. Okay, so the previous Rebbe, uh, he was imprisoned in a, a very scary, known, it's known as the prison of the Shpalevne, it's known. This was on, uh, on Tuesday, on the 14th of Sivan, before the, um, before, uh, the nighttime of, the, of, of Wednesday, the 15th of Sivan, 1927. This was already... Now it was already 12 o'clock, midnight. Uh, and the previous Rebbe has just finished uh, seeing people for Yechidus. Yechidus means a private meeting. This is considered like uh, the ultimate, just like um, uh, with the Jewish people when came Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that is, into the Holy of Holiest. So by Hasidim, going into a private meeting to the Rebbe, that is considered going into the Holy Holy, being in the Rebbe's study, being alone with the Rebbe, that is sort of their uh, climax, the highest point in a Chassid's uh, connection to the Rebbe. So the Rebbe had just finished um, seeing people for Yechidas uh, in his home, which was in the street of Machavoya 22 in Leningrad. Okay. Uh, and it, this took place till about 11 o'clock that he saw different people. It was already, by the way, it was already a very tense and very difficult time. They were, Rebbe had to move to Leningrad because of all the problems that he was having. It was a bigger city, so it was a little bit sort of easier to do what the Rebbe was doing. But they had all kinds of spies and all kinds yeah. of uh, agents that they would plant and they would go back and report. And matter of fact, the biggest problem the Jews had were from the Jewish people themselves. There was the Yevsexia, which was a Jewish group that were part of the communists, and you know, and they were anti-religious. And to them, religion was something which was sort of not only outdated, but was dangerous for the okay. Jewish people. And they did whatever they could uh, together with the communists. Of course, the Communists, the Goyim, the non-Jews, they had no idea of the Jewish rituals or the Jewish practices, so they wouldn't know how to uh, sort of crack down on the Jewish practices. But it was these Jewish people that some of them came from very religious families. It was the children of some various, even from some Hasidic families. And, you know, the children were so involved in their, uh, you know, their ideology that they would even go against their parents and they would you know, uh, slander them and they would have them imprisoned. It was like a very, very scary time. So in any event, um, so he just finished seeing people 
and uh, so, the, so the Rebbe davened at that point. He davened Ma'ariv, and he was, um, you know, guess exhausted and tired from a full day's, uh, long day's work. And after the davening, he washed um, for um, for his night meal for supper, basically, together with his family. So I guess they had a late supper, you know, at 11, 11, 11 o'clock. Now, soon after, a few minutes after midnight. Uh, there was a, a ring in the bell of the door. The door opens up, and two men run in with a great, with, great, with a lot of force and with a lot of noise into the dining room. And they say, We are agents of the GEPAU, that's the KGB. And who is Schneerson? And show me who he is. And two people of the GEPAU, that's again the KGB, were Nachman's son and Lulov. As you see, these were Jewish names. Nachman's son, which means the son of Nachman, and Lulov, you know, like the Sheikh the Lulov. So these were Jewish, uh, Jewish people. They were grandchildren from Hasidic families. And they had sort of deteriorated, they've gone down all the ways down to the lowest, to, to the lowest of levels to become agents of the KGB. And while they were still speaking, so there is a whole group of armed men entered into the room after them. Very calmly and, and very clearly, the Rebbe says to them, I don't know which Schneerson you are looking, but if you came to somebody's home, it must be for sure that you know who lives in that home. So all of your extra scare tactics and the, all the uh, noise that you're making are all extra. No reason to scream, no reason to yell. Uh, and I am not afraid of the gepo'u. I, will, I wasn't afraid and I will, they will never scare me. The Rebbe's words that were said so coldly and so clearly without any emotion made a tremendous impact even on these men of stone uh, as the Rebbe refers to them and at the first instance their wings were clipped sort of and they looked at the Rebbe surprisingly and there was a quiet that permeated the room it took about an hour and a half they stayed in the Rebbe's room. They went from room to room. They made a complete search. But it was obvious that this wasn't what they, they weren't, they didn't come just to search the rooms. The intention was actually to take the Rebbe as a prisoner, to arrest the Rebbe, and to go ahead and to, uh, it's already been already pre-concluded uh, the um, what they were going to do with the Rebbe well, God forbid what they wanted to do before they took the Rebbe into the uh, car to the uh, machine there whatever they used there to take him to the prison of Spalerna the Rebbe said I demand from you that I have the right to put on tefillin and to daven and if the law allows for it they should permit me to give me food that will be prepared for me just through my family members. Just want to make sure that it's kosher. He doesn't want anybody else. 
you are able to, says Nachmanson, to take your tefillin, you can take your books, you can take a pen, paper, I promise you very clearly, nobody is going to stop you from davening, from reading, from writing. Today, you're going to be back home today. Because in the prison, they'll ask you a couple of questions, and you can go back home, he says. Uh, just the name, this is all description, the previous Rebbe writing this. Just the name, Shpalerna, to say that name, would place a tremendous dread and fear on people. Once you took a person to that prison, to Shpalerna, it was one of the two. Either he was already been judged and the ruling has already been set, or they still need to investigate the prisoner before they are going to uh, decide. To this Shpalerka, the previous Rebbe was taken at uh, at uh, two twenty after a.m. That's after midnight, and there is a whole long uh, write-up that the Rebbe himself wrote, and which appears in the uh, Svarim of uh, different uh, arrest and liberation. Uh, there is various different books uh, that uh, prints in. Uh, in, um, in in jail, whatever the, I forget the name of the book, a prince in prison. Uh, what the prison prison? What is the prince of prison? It's various different books that they have. The there's the uh, Sefer Atoldos, the uh, story is in Lakute de Burim. There's a so volumes that uh, came out from the previous rebbe's, so they have it over there printed also. The rebbe uh, um, says that. The connection to the 15th of Sivan, that was the beginning of the incarceration of the Rebbe. So he was imprisoned on the 15th of Sivan. And then on the 12th day of Tammuz, uh, he was imprisoned through the 12th day. Actually, on Gimel Tammuz, they let him go from the prison. He had to go to exile. On the 12th day of Tammuz, he was actually totally freed. so he says that after, later on, it was revealed by Yudbis Tammuz that during the incarceration, that is when the planting took place. So that through this planting, later on, there should be able to be uh, a lot of growth eventually, which means that sometimes the, these difficulties, these challenges, that the Rebbe faced was actually the sowing of a whole new era, which took place after the previous Rebbe was freed from the prison. You see that uh, after a, a situation where a person goes through hardships, at the time that the hardship is there, it's kind of hard to see how that is uh, beneficial or how the person is going to actually benefit from that hardship. but. Then later on with time, if you are lucky, if Hashem helps, you are able to see that that limitation, that difficulty, that Mitzrayim, that uh, uh, challenge that you had was actually the impetus, was actually the uh, springboard for helping you go even to a much higher, much greater place. Uh, so we know with the Alter Rebbe, when he was imprisoned, 
so it's said that the spreading of the Hasidic teaching and the learning was sort of as as it was before, but it totally caught on fire and it was like uh, the masses turned into followers of the Alter Rebbe and started learning Hasidus and became involved in the teachings of Hasidus. So these difficulties always brought about, uh, in the end, even greater commitment and greater blessings. And in a sense, you know, in our own lives, the same thing is true. I mean, sometimes we get, uh, you know, we have a, a little bump in the road, so to speak, you know, you, and, you know, and you sometimes take that as a sign, okay, well, let me stop doing what I'm doing because it's too bumpy. But the contrary is true that, you know, you have to, you know, stay the course, hold on, hold on tight. And then when you can, you'll actually realize that you can even be stronger and do and do better. And uh, it says that uh, when Mashiach will come, it says, and uh, uh, the Gemara says, so it says both the tzaddikim and the, uh, and the Rishoyim and those who failed, they will all be crying. Because, so it says why? Because the uh, tzaddikim will say, wow, because the Yetzirah is going to appear to them as such a mountain, uh, such a strong force, and they're going to say, they're going to cry out of joy. He said, how were we able to conquer such a Yetzirah? It was like, how could we have done it? And, you know, they would be crying out of joy. And to the uh, Rishoyim, it was going to come across, it's going to come like a, like, a, like a nothing. He says, why couldn't we... <laughs> Why couldn't we overcome? It was like, it was really not that difficult. So, you know, in the, in the end of the day, you know, a test, Nisoyen, uh, is, 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 is all that it is. It's, um, it's, it's brought down that uh, even when we have a lot of times uh, challenges, and the challenges come in different forms, you know. I mean, sometimes there's a health issue that comes up, you know, you wonder, you know, look, you know, you can ask a question. Here, we're trying to make a program. All of a sudden, you end up in the hospital. <laughs> you know, I really wanted to be yesterday here. I wanted to see what's going on. I wanted to, you know, we prepared, we worked so hard, we cleaned this place and everything else. And then, but, you know, by the way, so let me just uh, deviate for a minute. So I was really thinking, I think, why did, why did Hashem, the timing, it was, it was like, we, we worked here till, one, till 12.30 a.m., we worked here at 12.30 a.m. We were here in shul, together with Shmuley, and me schlepping the chairs and draining, you know, we were working there, no, no, no. And I was complaining to them, I said, you know, I thought at the age of 60 already I wouldn't have to be doing those things. <laughs> but I'm still doing the same thing that I used to do. And then, you know. In Hara. In Hara, yeah. <laughs> so, you get a retreat But I, then, I, then I was thinking to myself, I said, but this happened, so now it's already the climax. So we come home, we're all, we got most of it done, most of it set up. You know, and Shmuley was working and schlepping, and Shmuley was not his usual self, because whenever, he's always the schlepper and everything else. And I asked him, you know, to take this, put the chairs underneath there. It's hard for me to, to bend down. I said, Shmuley, he says, my hand hurts, I can't do it. This was unusual. You know, Shmuley never, he's always the first one to run. He said, his hands hurt, he can't do it. So I said, okay, so, you know, okay, so do it. And by the time we just came home, and 
uh, you know, he, he likes when Sarah puts him to bed, so she's going to put him to bed. And then I, um, then she says, guess what? I think you got to take him to the emergency room. And she looked at his hand, and he was complaining that it hurts him. So she looked at his hand, she says, and we called and then the room. So I was thinking, the timing. Why just, you know, and, 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 I had to put together the schedule, everything else. I sent it through. I was working in the hospital at <laughs> 5 in the morning. Yeah. I was working in the hospital. I put it, you know, print together. Whatever. So I said, why? And then I, then I realized, I think, you know, of course, you know, we don't know the ways of Hashem. And, you know, Baruch Hashem, we shouldn't complain, you know. We shouldn't know of any sort <laughs> As they say, you know, that this should be the, the biggest problem. But then I thought to myself, the truth of the matter is, that the energy and the talent and the devotion, the dedication, the commitment that Sarah had to this project was just unbelievable. You know, we, we helped, yes, we helped a lot, but we were just really helpers. I mean, she was the driving force, and she is the one that pushed. And it, it, maybe we, 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 we really were not supposed to be here, so not to take of any, to take away, you know, any of the credit. Because, you know, being here, maybe people would say, hey, you did something, you know, we would come here to collect some, you know, some covet, some, <laughs> some recognition. You know, we did something, this is, hey, you know, you know what? You, Taka, you helped it alone. But you really, it's not you that did it. You know, she's the one that did it. And she, Taka, she's the one that, that, that did it, pulled the whole thing together, cleaned up this place, made sure, driving forward. You know, and I'm not always the easiest customer either. He says, why are you doing this? We're too old, we're ready to retire. <laughs> so, you know, I... <laughs> You know, I'm not always uh, such a willing. She says no, 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 no I'm oh. not. Yeah, she says, <laughs> she says uh, uh, not such a willing camper all the time. So <laughs> I don't go along as easy. But so I figured David says, okay, you know what? You complain that okay, it's not for you. You go stay. <laughs> you stay away from this and let her have the nazach. And I heard Taka that it was Baruch Hashem very, very beautiful. So that's these are all these are all gifts. And you know, I think also what we have to realize in life, you know, a lot of times we choose to focus on, I was talking on Shabbos, we're sitting by the table by the bar mitzvah, we're sitting, we're sitting one of the kids. Oh, he says, I, sees, I see all the problems. He says, I see all the problems of marriage. He says, I don't want to get married, he says. And then, you know, he says, that, you know, I see, I see what's going on. So I say to them, look, you know, it's really a matter of what people choose to focus on. You know, of course, you know, there's, you have two people and you have people from different worlds of course we don't see people don't see things the same way that's that's natural but the idea is is and there's sometimes you know there's disagreement sometimes there's maybe even harsh words said you know i mean that's but i say i was telling to this to this point was telling me i said to it by and large if you don't focus and you know most people hopefully you know most of the time things work out you know decent you know or the way it should work out. So, you know, if you have some hard time, okay. So don't focus on those, on those difficulties. If you want to just look at, and uh, it mentioned, you know, it says in the, in the, um, in the uh, Ten Commandments, it says you shouldn't covet. You shouldn't lo So it says, don't covet uh, your friends, his wife and his donkey, his house, you know, whatever he has. And then the Torah says, v'chol asher and everything that your friend has. Why is the Torah saying again everything that he has? Already, already said all the details. What? But you know what? It's like when you have a book and you take out one page of a book 
and you see, wow, this, you know, I want to be, I want to have that page of the book, you know what I'm Say, hey, wait a minute, you know, there's a whole book before, there's a lot of pages that come before, there's a lot of pages that come after, and you know, you, you just want that one thing, but, you know, my son told me, he says, he says, look, he says, you don't want anybody else's service. He says, you want your own service. He says, don't ask for anybody's service. I take exception to the table, yeah. Which ones would you pay? Yeah, take mine, that's right. So the house could be worse. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking maybe Hashem knew how much Sarah wanted this event. So, what happened to Shmuley? Waited till everything was all set. Well, she still had, she had to work very, very hard at the end. She didn't go to sleep for it. For the, the, you know, we don't know. We don't know really the ways of Hashem. We know whatever. It's trying to explain. I'll just leave you with a story. Yeah, go ahead. After, we, after you left, and I went back to the room, and the kids went back to her and went over there and her mind was still going about the whole thing yesterday. I can't what I should have done, I missed I didn't do this and I should have done that. Yeah, she's always she's never happy. Yeah. She's never fully good. But um, let me just leave you with this story which maybe will demonstrate. I don't know how we got into that thing, but anyways we'll leave it at this story. Uh, there was once there's a story told about there was a uh, uh, a prince who all of a sudden became he became very sad and he became depressed. And they couldn't, they tried to cheer him up, do everything, you know, he wasn't missing anything. <laughs> he had everything he needed, he had everything he wanted. And they couldn't understand, they couldn't figure out what's going on, why is he so unhappy? But he was going deeper, deeper in this hopelessness, in this feelings of worthlessness and depression. He was like totally, totally. So they didn't know. So finally there was some person that came there and he said, you know, I once read uh, in a book in which it states that if you wear a shirt of a person that is really happy, then if you wear it for a week, you might become very happy. So he says, we're going to go ahead and find a shirt from a happy person and give it on to Well, nothing else works, so, you know, it sounded a little bit uh, superstitious, but, you know, but okay, you know, let's try it. So now the agents of the king are going out to look for a happy person. So the first thing they see is right outside of the palace, there's this four-car garage with this fancy, you know, lawn. Everything looks so pretty. Everything is groomed so beautifully. Okay, so they say this must be like a happy home. So they put their ear to the window over there listening in. Oh, gewalt. The wife is screaming and cursing, and the husband is yelling, and the kids are disrespectful. Ah, he says, oh, this is not a happy home. So, oh, let's go next. But make the, a short story long. They were being going from uh, place to place. Every home, there's, there's no. Finally, at the edge of the city, there's this half dilapidated home over there. <laughs> they figured, yeah, you know, they have nothing, so what are they, they can be happy. So, but they figured that they're already, might as well try it, you know, over here. So they come to them and they're listening in to the, to the, the elderly couple. The wife speaks so nicely to the husband, the husband to the night, to the wife, everything. Seems such a pleasant, such a tranquil, beautiful home. It's just, ah, finally the search is over, we got it. They knock at the door and the woman opens the door. She says, she says yeah, how can I help you? He says, look, you know, the king of, the, the prince is sick and he's depressed and everything else. We see, thank God you have a happy home. 
please give us a shirt so that we can try it on the king. She says, you know, she says I know I'd love to help you, but there's one problem. She says, I don't own a shirt. <laughs> so it's not that happiness. It's not all the <laughs> everything else that gave them. It's the inner, it's the home happiness, which is, which is much greater. And um, a lot of times, you know, our neshama yearns for something, for meaning, for life, for spirituality, for something. And we try to compensate. We say, well, give a little more, another Game Boy or another trick, another something. But it doesn't quite do it. It doesn't quench that thirst. The soul is looking for, for, for more. So when you come to shul, you come to daven, you, you learn, you make new friends, you, 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 you do together. That's, that's where it's at. And that's where really, uh, you know, you feel that uh, somehow you're not alone in this world, you know, so, yeah, and there's people that you're together, there's, it's a tremendous, uh, a tremendous support and a tremendous strength that we lend to each other, so, uh, okay, so, got ahead, I got a lot of, lot going on with me today, so we'll leave it over here, okay, and, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going back and forth. I'll be back here. Um, so, this is Yemei Chabad for the uh, 15th day of Sivan. This is in the year Tafresh Samachay, just about uh, over 100 years, almost 110 years ago. Okay. Okay. Um, that was the day that the, uh, it was a great chassid, who was known in short as the Rajbats, uh, that's the abbreviation. His name was Reb Shmuel Betzal Sheftel. Um, and he was basically the teacher of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was his teacher. Uh, he was yet of the important Hasidim in the days of the Tzamach Tzedek by the end, the Rebbe Maharash and the Rebbe Rashab. So he was spanned through uh, several Rebbe's uh, generations. And um, and he was his, his teacher. He was the previous Rebbe's teacher. He came for the first time to Lubavitch in the year Tafresh Ches, uh, that's 608. Um, so that was, um, he, apparently he, he lived uh, less than 60 years because he passed away Samachay, so he was lived like 458, um, uh, whatever. Samachay, Tafresh uh, Ches. Um, it's just fifty something years, a couple of fifty years or something. So, so he came to Lubavitch on the first day of Rosh Chodesh Adar, and uh, there's a scholar journal called the Hatomim, in which uh, there is a description uh, about the uh, route that the Rashbats took. He came from a very anti. A Misnagid uh, city, and the route that he took, how he got to Hasidus Chabad, and how he got to the Tzemach Tzedek. The previous Rebbe writes, he says, My teacher, the Chosid of Shmuel Betzalel, so he says, after uh, having suffered tremendous spiritual pain and various different, he was rejected in various. Uh, various situations, and he had a whole chain of 
of, of pain and hunger and uh, destitute. So at the end, he merited to have the great privilege and light of being very close and very, he um, was felt very special from the Rebbe Maharash who really took him in very closely and in a very wondrous way. And he chose him uh, that he's going to give his middle son, he's going to give him to educate. So he educated yet the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe's father, the Rebbe Rashab, uh, while he was still young. Uh, so he, Rashbats was actually also teaching I guess the Rebbe Rashab, that's the father of the previous Rebbe. Uh, the Rebbe Marash related to the Rashbats, to the Rosh Mubatzal Sheftel, uh, very deep inner things, knowing that the Rashbats, he was one of the distinguished of the students and the Hasidim of the Tzemach Tzedek, so he sort of confided in him and he gave him over some very uh, deep and inner things, um, he was a person who really served Hashem very, that with full dedication, and uh, he was like totally devoted also to the Rebbe. He was like a chosid devoted. The Rebbe Rashab appointed the Rashbats to be the uh, educator and the guide of his son, the Mitla Rebbe of the Friedrich Rebbe, from the year Tofrej Nun Dalid. Uh, that's the Rebbe turned then 14 years old. From the age of 14 till Tofresh Zamach, till 20. It was his... Uh, at the year Tofresh Zamach, he was appointed as the head Mashpia, uh, that's the spiritual guide in the Yeshiva Tomchet Mimim, and he served in that role until, until his passing. The previous Rebbe related that my father told me that your teacher, the Rashbats, he has uh, a tremendous ability, a talent, uh, to be able to take a student that he's teaching so that that student itself will sort of turn himself into somebody who uh, is going to uh, be... Um, uh, emotionally aroused and connected to Hashem. He had that ability to implant that. Uh, I have to thank tremendously the previous Rebbe writes to my teacher, the Rashbats, that he sort of placed me in the right position. He positioned me properly. And during the 18 months of education, he prepared me so that I could become a proper vehicle to accept the directions from my father and the ways and the learning of Hasidus. On the 15th day of Sivan, Tavr he passed away. He was uh, buried, uh, as he requested, within 15 Amma of the Ohel, of the Tzemach Tzedek and the Rebbe Maharash. And um, like he mentions here, that there is the whole story about how he came to the, um, about how he came to the, um, 
he came to Lubavitch, even though he grew up in a non-Hasidic family, a non-Hasidic community, and how he made that transition. Now, the thing is also, uh, generally speaking, uh, these Hasidim, or when they single out, we don't talk about so many Hasidim, we talk about just some Hasidim, because these were exceptionally, uh, played exceptionally roles within the Hasidic history, and um, and they had a, 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 a total devotion to the Rebbe. It's, it's kind of um, uh, hard to really imagine what it means, a, a devotion, a dedication from a chassid to, to a Rebbe, in the really totally devotion. I mean, we are, um, I guess, uh, not used to that kind of a dedication, you know, to from one human being to another human being to a leader. This sounds like, um, you know, very, very, uh, very intense. But these Hasidim were, as a real Hasid, um, by the Hasidim, they always had a Rebbe. Uh, the um, Litvish, the Misnagdish, or the non-Hasidic communities, they basically had a Rav, a teacher, a Shishiva, a learned person. So it wasn't so much as a spiritual guide, as he was more as a halachic figure. He was a brilliant person who was a scholar. He was more, but it wasn't that sort of soul connection. It wasn't an intimate sort of relationship in service of Hashem and to one's soul. But it was more like a technical, like the Torah law. It was straight out, but. I think that um, the world has sort of uh, realized, even the non-Hasidic world, that it's necessary to have somebody to lean on, and especially when there's problems and when you have uh, spiritual problems, when you have uh, you know things that you need somebody's advice or you need someone's moral support, you need uh, to... Um, feel that you can sort of connect to someone. So I think that even in the non-Hasidic world, the Rosh Hashivas and the leaders of the communities have sort of become like Rebbes, you know, they, 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 uh, they sort of become more than just, you know, figures that are learned figures, but they become also uh, similar to what the connection of a Hasid and a Rebbe. But yet the Hasid and the Rebbe connection is a is 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 a very intense and very powerful, and I'm not sure if there's anything to can really to compare to that. Um, I, I mentioned I think that um, the Rebbe himself, our Rebbe, was like the greatest chassid of the previous Rebbe, um, and when you see his total uh, uh, subjugation, uh, then you can realize what it means to be a chassid. You know, even just. A, Forget about what it means to be a rebbe. What to mean a chassid? You know, a chassid to 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 devote yourself, to give yourself over. And um, the olden days, people were into spirituality. They wanted to um, they wanted to be emotionally attached to Hashem. They were wanted to feel. Since today we live in a uh, fast food uh, generation, you know, everything comes quick. Snippets, real, you know, just the attention span lasts for a second. 
and then you're on to the next thing, and it's just we're not sort of programmed right now to even worry about our spirituality, you know, and we're just, you know, just let things go as they go, and they're all, you know, but it was different, I mean, and it doesn't mean that it has to be like that, but it's just, that's the general culture. I, it's always, um, even though the Jewish people, you know, have their own, you know, their own language and their own yeshivas or their own shuls, but you know, the general culture somehow creeps in through the windows, through the doors, you know, the ideas of, you know, we, we work, we interact, we, we read, we, we surf, uh, you know, so you get the, uh, you get all the different ideas. It's very hard to uh, stay, you know, on the, um, even ideas, you know, the previous Rebbe used to say that people are very careful that it should be kosher, uh, so that the mood, the food that they put into their mouth, should be kosher, so that it should be proper food. So make sure that everything there's a good hechsher and everything else. But he said, but they don't pay so much attention to food that comes into your brain, to your thoughts, and your mind that they should be kosher too. And unfortunately, there's a lot of ideas, you know, that people pick up. And they don't even realize that they're picking them up. So they may not be, may not be kosher, may not be, then think you know the proper proper thing. But anyways, so some of these chassidim inspire us to the devote to us that the uh, what it means to be a chassid and what it means to be devoted, and notwithstanding the fact uh, that it's been coming on twenty years since the Rebbe is no longer physical with us. But yet, uh, the Rebbe is still continues to lead, and uh, the Hasidim are still Hasidim of the Rebbe. So uh, hopefully we're waiting for Mashiach to come, so that we don't have to wait much longer. And, uh, but it tells us that we should be dedicated, and we should try to do um, to what we can to fulfill the Rebbe's vision. And... Uh, and the Rebbe's mission to bring Mashiach down. That's the, that's the bottom line. All right. Now, Yemei Chabad for the 16th day, actually it's the 15th day of Sivan. Another entry for the 15th day of Sivan. This is in year Tafresh Tzadik Hay. Tzadik Hay. I'm not sure why they put it in. Maybe because that was more, they figured it was a more important entry. So they put it in the 15th of Sivan in 1927, they put it in before the 15th of Sivan in, oh, what am I saying? No, I take that back. Of course, this is after, this is the second entry. This is the 15th, it's consistent, you know, the second entry is in Tafresh Sadik Hay, that's in 695. Okay, so that's, um, no, that's in 30, 35. In, yeah, the, so that was on that day uh, the previous Rebbe uh, moved to uh, the city of Atvotsk in, in Poland to the city of Atvotsk in the year Tafresh Sadig Gimel that's two years earlier that's in 1933 uh, the previous Rebbe moved from uh, Riga that's in, in Latvia. He moved from Riga, Latvia, to Warsaw in Poland. And in the year uh, Tovre Sadik Hay, in 35, 
the previous Rebbe moved from Warsaw to Otvotsk, which was not that far. It's a uh, uh, suburb, of suburb of not far. And the previous Rebbe writes in one of his letters that on the 15th day of Sivan, in the Yutov Sadikhei, and that was actually for medical reasons. Um, I guess um, it says, based on the advice of the doctors, I moved uh, from Warsaw to Otvotsk. Now, I'm going to just guess that probably the city maybe been polluted. Maybe it's been, uh, maybe outside in Otvotsk, maybe it was a little bit more trees. And I mean, it's just my guess. Uh, maybe it was more suburbia. Maybe it was a more... Uh, better for the Rebbe's uh, health reasons. Uh, I'm not sure why. Um, doesn't say that I was, they had better doctors there. I'm going to assume that the doctors are in Warsaw. There was a bigger city. But um, Natvotsk is known also that there were many uh, uh, many Hasidim. See, originally, most of the Hasidim of the Rebbe came from Russia. And so there were like the in, in Poland there was a lot of Polish rebbe's. There were Polish uh, Hasidim, Polish rebbe's. They had a little. Dif- it was a little different style than it was the rebbe style. But um, the, the, it looks like the um, when the previous rebbe moved to Warsaw and then later on to Otwotsk, he attracted a, a lot of of the Polish Hasidim too. So, matter of fact, some of the um, uh, principal Hasidim in New York after the Rebbe came here were people that learned in the Lubavitch Yeshiva in the Tvots. They were all uh, they were all scholars. They were all um, you know very very well versed. Matter of fact, the Rosh Yeshiva the, when I went, he's passed away several years ago. I mean, many years ago already. Um, he he came also, you know, he was the main Rosh Yeshiva, he came, he was also from Poland, over there from Atvatsk, and the one who used to give the classes in the Tanya, you know, the Biur Tanya, Rabbi Weinberg, and Rabbi Katz, and Kotlarski, no, no, this is uh, Yosef Weinberg, I mean, Olva Shalom, and um, some of the uh, Rabbi Tenenbaum, these were all uh, Chabadniks that came from Atvatsk, was from that, uh, from that time, from Poland, so it, um, the Rebbe's move there was actually uh, a reason for a lot many uh, of other Polish Hasidim to come and join the Rebbe.